Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the award-winning podcast that tells you everything about Western Connecticut State University, which itself has been acknowledged as the best university in Connecticut. That just recently came down. I did not see that. Where was that? I thought you had the paperwork. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I have it. It's official. Yeah. So this is the best podcast at the best university. And today we have a really great, interesting uh, interview, I guess you'd call it, with Rada Krell, who is a professor of biology here at U. Here at <laughs> Westcon. There you go. She's a PhD professor, and uh, she's talking with Jack Tom, who's a professor of art. And they worked on a big new book together. I guess it's a biology book, right? It's all about bugs. Yeah. And, or insects, as Rada would say. Well, I think it may include more than just insects. I mean, more than technical insects. There might be yeah, sort of general true. bugs in there. We'll have to ask her next time she comes on. Yeah. Anyway, he did the cover. Jack Tom did. It's beautiful. Rada helped the other co-author write it and it's like the 10th edition of this really famous uh, biology textbook so our Rada is uh, moving up in the world this could be her ticket out of here (laughs) we hope not (laughs) yeah we hope not because she's a great edition of the podcast and uh, we're joined today with one of our student co-hosts Devin Moran Devin's going to talk about uh things over the course of the semester events and what's going on at WestCon from a student perspective. He's also going to bring his uh, views on professional sports to our podcast for the first time. And you can hear what he thinks uh, about the WNBA, soccer, and um, baseball this week. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I think you found a small uh chink in his armor. Yes, with there. the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, which which <laughs> I had to, you know, not I had to spell it out for yeah. him. <laughs> but as everybody knows, the WNBA uh championships are going on right now. The sky is currently ahead. Chicago Sky is currently ahead of the Phoenix Sun with uh, Diana Tarazi, who's a big favorite in Connecticut. So the Phoenix is the sun, and Connecticut's also the sun. Hmm. Oh no, it's the Phoenix Mercury. There I'm you sorry. go. Yeah, the Suns are the the NBA team. Yes, and we are the sun <laughs> for Connecticut. That's right. Ouch, boy! I Who just else doesn't know that. WNBA? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on top now, baby. You are. All right. Anyway, <laughs> and you didn't even follow the. The um, oh, you know what? The Mercury won yesterday. It's over. No, they won the second game. Oh, okay. They were ahead, behind. The Mercury was behind all the whole time, and then they came ahead and won it in the uh, oh, in overtime. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so keep following the uh, WNBA championships, and of course, the baseball championships are going on now. Yeah, it's all exciting, and Devin will tell us all about it. Bugs and sports. That's right. That's your home got here. for bugs and sports <laughs> at WCSU. That's why we won the award. <laughs> you and your awards. <laughs> All right. To the interview? Yes. To the interview. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me and Jack Tom here today. I'm really thrilled to get to share that a textbook that I've been working on for about two years was just published this March, so it has a March uh, 2021 publication date. It was a little delayed because of coronavirus and, and many other issues, so I'm just thrilled that it's finally out. So the textbook that I'm a part of is a book called Entomology and Pest Management. And this book, uh, the first edition was in 1989, and it was written by the professor, Larry Pedago, that I worked with at Iowa State University. And what's really important about this textbook is it was the first textbook to take on the topic of uh, pest management, which I'll explain in a minute, 
in, um, in an elevated and academic way that could then be used as a foundation for teaching students about this topic. And it tends to be something that's really uh, focused on at, at big agricultural universities, but it's it's gotten more wide adoption. And I think when people hear the phrase pest management, they're thinking about, you know, Orkin or someone coming out to spray for ticks in their yard. But really, pest management is actually um, the basis of it all is ecology and understanding um, insects or other organisms that are considered to be pests. And a pest is simply any organism that is causing humans some kind of inconvenience is <laughs> really the, the definition of a pest. So when we think about insects that are pests, um, you know, the, the, and pest management, we're not talking about just, you know, uh, putting a border of insecticide around your house to keep ants out. Um, what we're really talking about is understanding any kind of uh, insect or arthropod that might be causing humans inconvenience, like again, mosquitoes or things in a garden or things in agriculture and understanding those animals so that we can figure out innovative ways to potentially manage them. And sometimes managing them can mean something like um, perhaps a, a beetle is infesting a, a soybean crop. But maybe if we know that that beetle actually really prefers some other plant, we could perhaps plant a little patch of that other plant nearby the soybean crop and sort of lure them away. So sometimes management is just understanding, you know, what these animals eat, where they are, how many of them there are, you know, what environmental conditions promote populations to increase or decrease, what are the natural enemies, like what other insects might feed on these insects. So, um, so while on the surface, pest management sounds like this sort of um, uh, industrial endeavor, it's really basically ecology for the purpose of um, essentially making uh, lives a little bit more comfortable uh, for for humans in most cases, but not always just humans, also for the environment, because often we might be dealing with um, uh, a pest that, uh, you know, might, for example, right now in Connecticut, the emerald ash borer, right, that's taking out all of our ash trees, uh, which, you know, ash trees are both, you know, beautiful, they provide shade, they provide diversity to our forests. So um, there's environmental reasons that sometimes we want to manage an insect as well. So, um, so in a couple of years ago, so I received this call from my former professor, Larry Pedigo, and he said, we're getting ready to do the seventh edition of the textbook, and we'd really like to um, have you join us in working on this edition. And I was completely honored because this textbook, um, it's used at, you know, at least 180 universities as like the foundational textbook on this topic of, of pest management. But what's unique about it is it also has several sections on foundational entomology as well. And so, um, you know, you can't manage an insect unless you understand what an insect is first. So again, the textbook has this really nice blend of just enough basic entomology then with this ecological component of kind of once you understand the animal, how can you then um, management and manage it in like the best, uh, the most economical and ecological way possible. So, um, so anyway, I was thrilled to get invited to join in. And so um, we really combed through the book because there was some stuff that's outdated. There were some, uh, for example, there's an insect called the pink bollworm and we had this whole section on the pink bollworm, but um, just uh, a couple of years ago, the pink bollworm has since been eradicated from the United States. <laughs> so kind of this part about um, that particular insect, we had to you know, change that to update that. And then of course, many, many insect names get changed. You know, We have all the scientific names and the classifications and those are always changing. So we had to update those. And then we just added, you know, there's new, so much new technology. And so we added a lot of things about some of the newer things going on. So it was, um, it's truly an honor to be involved with this textbook. The other co-author, his name is Marlon Rice. And he um, was another professor that I worked with at Iowa State University. And he is an excellent insect photographer. And so he's done a lot to um, help update the visuals inside of the book. So that brings me to though what is super exciting about the seventh edition, which is um, we had the opportunity to partner to really create 
the most beautiful cover and engaging cover that this textbook has ever had um, with working with, with Jack Tom on this. And so um, I was lucky enough to meet uh, Jack Tom, an illustration professor at WestCon in, in the art department, um, because he was initially, I met him because he was teaching a biological illustration class right across from my office. <laughs> and I got to know him through that. And I always like to poke in there. It's like one of the most interesting classes in our building and see what those students were up to. And, um, and so I, I chatted with him about potentially working on this cover and he was kind enough to, to be interested, to, to get involved in it. And again, so our, our, co so our cover is of, um, and I'm gonna turn it over to Jack in just a second, but the cover insect that we chose is something called a painted lady butterfly. And again, the title of the book is Entomology and Pest Management. And so the painted lady is really a perfect insect for that because usually painted lady butterflies are just, you know, these pretty butterflies that, um, you know, are just a, a pretty insect to, to go out and collect or look at and watch. Um, but in rare occasions, it can also be a pest insect where the larvae, the caterpillars, uh, can cause problems in some agricultural crops. So this particular insect is a good poster child for exactly what the book is about, this kind of foundational entomology, plus um, you know, understanding the, the pest management aspect of entomology. But um, again, it's so Jack, do you want to talk about the cover a little bit? It's the best cover this book has ever had. Everyone who's seeing is, is, is saying that. And people, these are entomologists who have all seven editions of this textbook, and they're like, this is the best cover ever. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Rayden. I appreciate hearing that. Uh, usually when a designer finishes a project, it gets published, but then we rarely see it afterwards. Like, uh, so it's really nice to always get the response from people after the design has been approved and printed. So anyway, um, I got involved because I always look for opportunities for students that I have uh, in the scientific illustration or even my other illustration class. And it was just by a great opportunity when Rada came by. And she also taught a, seg uh, a segment of the class of, on uh, insects, entomology, beetles especially. So because one of the illustration projects I gave to my students uh, was a beetle. So I needed uh, her to come in and talk about what are beetles? Why is it important? I think the anatomy and all that kind of is very, very important for our students to know, especially art students going in this direction of scientific illustration. And I just want to say, like, one thing I love about working with biologists, because I was a biology major at one time in my life, but I discovered uh, the art was a much stronger calling. And I had done some scientific illustration right before I went to college. So that gave me it, it kept me connected because I love the, the feel of biology. Uh, in fact, I was so serious that I, I enjoyed field collecting. But going back to what I was going to say, biologists and artists have a common uh, characteristic. We're into detail. And that's one thing I love about working with biologists because they see something that I love seeing. I, and I, as an artist, this is something I'm very curious about. What are they looking at? And uh, one thing I've learned working with other biologists on illustration the detail they look for is things that I, oh, wow, I never would have noticed that. So it makes it more exciting. So when I, when, when Rita approached me with this project, I, I always get excited about design projects. It's just a problem I love to find some way to solve visually. And especially with insects. I mean, so what I did, I did, um, when she approached me with the, with the, the book cover idea or uh, uh, problem she had, I did approach uh, a student that if she would be interested in getting involved with this project, and I said, there's no, at the time we didn't have a budget, but nevertheless, it was an experience. I want students to have the real world experience working with a biologist and an author and see what they come up with. But what I always do as a designer, I like to give choices to my client. I never give them one idea, but I like to give them. So this one student did it traditionally. She would have done it in either color pencil, pen and ink, or graphite. So. I gave her some references of what she, we might be looking for, and it's up to her how she wants to interpret it. Uh, I try to guide my students as much as I can based on my conversation with Rada, what she was looking for. I also always try to look at what they've done before. So she sent me a, a series of covers what they've done previous, but like edition six, five, and four. So I get an idea of who their audience is. And once I saw what they were dealing with, I feel like the designer is for me to come up with something maybe a little bit different. 
And I was working on this. I also teach a digital illustration class, which is just a digital illustration class using Adobe Illustrator. And I found this project I was developing for my class called a polygon uh, technique, which is what the, the, the technique, uh, digital technique, what looked like on the cover. There's little triangle shapes. There's very geometric triangle shapes all along, and they were picking colors from the photograph, and we worked from the photograph. And so I really got excited about this technique years ago because I was doing a series of insects just on this technique because I thought it was just perfect. It was just unique. And so after the student gave me some type uh, comps of what she planned to do, I also I presented to the radar, but I also presented to radar. There's another idea I thought I had that might be different, but it's up to you. I give you this technique that this student has done, which I thought was beautiful also. And also, I will show you this technique. And it was just up to them to see what resonates to the client, what they thought what would be unique that would make their book cover uh, stand out a little bit more than the previous uh, edition. And I've done a lot of book jacket design for repackaging, they call it. Like, let's take an old book, and they just repackage it, a new cover, uh, reaching out to a new audience. And this is exactly what the project was. And so... I was glad they picked the polygon technique, the, the digital method, because I thought it's very unique. Uh, and it's, you can still identify what that butterfly is, even though when you look really close, it's all very abstract. Mm -hmm. But when you pull back, you see the butterfly. Mm -hmm. And I was also surprised that the, this, this painted lady was a pest. I mean, like, I used a collective butterfly because it was just beautiful. Yeah. And, but, but nevertheless, uh, once I get, you know, once they pick what they what they thought was would be best for their next uh, next cover, uh, I also found a list of all the other pest insects they mentioned. So underneath the title etymology and pest management, there's a little icons of insects. They're all based on those are all pest insects also. There's just silhouette shapes. Yeah, there are little you know icons there, and it was just these are little things I love doing as a design, just to put in a little message that usually only the author would probably know more than. Uh, the people looking at the cover, and they won't know until they look at it later. So it's, it's a kind of like uh, approach I do as a design. I like to entertain my audience mm -hmm. when they look at artwork. And I, but I also realize some book covers I design are very uh, generic, are very um, corporate, not corporate, institutional. And I realize this is going to a whole different audience. That so I can't have really, really a lot of fun like a New York bestseller cover kind of uh, design kind of stuff. But I always love doing this kind of work anyway. It, it is look, it's clean. Uh, typography plays in very importantly when I design a cover because it has to be legible, but yet you, it's still unique uh, to capture the audience and information. So that's pretty much what, what I do. And I really love doing this kind of work for my, uh, with other you know, departments that we partner with, um, especially with the biology. We, we, part, we pair other students with other projects with uh, the biology professor or do research. Mm -hmm. So growing a biological illustration program at Westcon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think back to like when I was at Iowa State, you know, a big university, and I didn't interface with the artists at all. And I look back to feeling, to thinking like how um, I wish I had, <laughs> you know, because it really, um, it, what what we realize in science now, which is because has become more appreciated is the you know how important communication in not you know not just communication to scientists but communication to a bigger public is and again most students who take the sort of course that will be using this textbook are not going to be entomologists they're probably going to work um, often in agriculture they're going to be agronomists they might be soil scientists they might um, you know work for an agricultural company so um, it, you know, it can seem like a superficial thing to have um, an engaging cover, but it really sets the tone for the entire book. And in this case, it was the particular design that we ended up going with, you know, gives the book like new life, a contemporary feel. The colors are, you know, just like the, it's like an orange and a green. It just really brings new life to this book that's that's been around for a long time. It's considered a foundational book for, for any entomologist. Um, often PhD students who are getting ready to go through their, their preliminary exams, you know, before they get to the point of defending their, um, their dissertation, 
Um, so often when they're doing this oral exam where they have to prove that they know everything about entomology, they will read this textbook right before they take that exam because it's sort of the foundation of like, it's a little bit of everything, the entomology piece of like the pest management piece. So it's become like a study guide for, <laughs> for people getting ready for that, that endeavor as well. But it's, um, it just, it, the power of like an image to communicate the idea of the book and, you know, elevate it and bring new life to it. Um, it's exciting. You know, that's the first, you know, it, again, so right now um, instructor copies are being sent out to a lot of people who normally teach this, a course that uses this textbook. And I've been getting emails from people saying like, oh my gosh, I opened my textbook. It's gorgeous. <laughs> you know, they know the content, the content hasn't, you know, we've updated it, but it hasn't changed in a huge way, but they're all really enjoying the cover. <laughs> so. That's good to hear because that is part of our job as a journalist, because we're actually trying to get people you know, it's like the whole saying that never judge a book by its cover, but we buy a lot of books because of the cover. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an attraction and stuff to make it exciting for someone to study something that can be very tedious, you know, and it is. And going back to what you're saying, I think there was a time when biology, biologists who are going through school, part of their courses they have to take was a drafting class. But that for some reason throughout the years, it's been separated. But I always felt that, you know, it's like, can you ever look at any science book without a visual element in it? It'd be pretty boring. I think Darwin, Charles Darwin saw that early on, uh, that if it wasn't for the artist that he brought on, his research would have been useless, he says, because uh, that information is all text, but it doesn't make sense to anyone because it's a visual kind of like uh, 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 exploration or, or discovery more than anything else. So I think it all works hand in hand. And thanks to uh, Professor Philbrick, who really planted the seed for the biology illustration course at uh, Westcon about, I would say, six years ago. Mm -hmm. So like uh, it slowly ramped up to a much bigger class. So I'm happy. And like I said, I appreciate, Rada, I was so excited that you were an entomologist because mm -hmm. I love beetles. I mean, I really, I used to collect them. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to keep them alive. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it, so like, it, I think it's exciting to have uh, the, assess, the assess, uh, assessing all the biology teachers to come to my class to talk about what they know. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I always appreciate it. I really appreciate that input because I think that's very important for all artists who are going to biology is to know what the biologists are looking at and why it's important to them. It has to be important to them as an artist. Yeah, no, I mean, I, again, I also feel extremely lucky to be at a place where, you know, we had the chance to interface and, um, and I love, you know, so my colleagues are, you know, at this big university and, but I love that, you know, it was our partnership here in Connecticut at Westcon, you know, that like, brought new life to this book. And I think it's just like a testament to like, you know, you just find good people and, and work with good people and, you know, pull together good things. And I'm such a fan of like collaboration. So I really love that, you know, this art and science collaboration has like brought new life to this, to this particular textbook, which I, again, this textbook is like a core of what I learned in grad school. So it's, it's, I've, I've always been a big fan of it and it's actually really well written. My former, the, you know, the, the people that I worked with, they're good writers. Like it's not super dry actually. <laughs> it's, it's a well-written textbook and that always struck me and I um, always enjoyed writing as well. So um, again, it's easy to think like it's this technical handbook, but really it's has good writing you know, beautiful art on the cover <laughs> and good solid foundational knowledge that, you know, I feel like it's finally, it's really all packaged in this nice way now. So, but again, I think it really, um, it's fun that we, you know, we have two Westcon professors who have um, collaborated on this, this uh, important textbook that, you know, again, is used all over the country at, you know, big agricultural universities, but, you know, we've gotten to reintroduce it to the world. So um very lucky to do this partnership. <laughs> yeah, I hope we will continue also because I think there's a lot of need for artists and it's great to connect the art department with other departments. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I'm happy with the collaboration we've been having with the biology department as well. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for letting us do this. Yeah, no, we're lucky. We're lucky that we get to interface across disciplines. <laughs> I know, I mean, I really. Mm -hmm. I like hanging around with biologists. They have the same kind of sense of humor as science, uh, as artists themselves in a certain way. 
you're engaged and passionate about what you do, and that's really means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we always liked coming over and visiting you in your in your world, in your beautiful building. Actually, we both have really beautiful buildings, right? <laughs> yeah, but you have all the in your office. <laughs> well, that's what Artie, we're, we're hoarders when it comes, look at this office at home. I mean, this is only a fraction of what I have and what I have on my toys and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, but no, I, it's, a, it's just very exciting to see this interdisciplinary kind of thing happening on our campus. And I hope to see more of it uh, continuing with, with it. Like, And right now I am putting together a biological illustration minor for our program. And so, like, that's in the works with a, with a couple of biology professors who are working with me on their end to figure out what we have to add and create that curriculum to make it work. So that's exciting to put together as well. Mm -hmm. And we might be the only state university in Connecticut that offers that. So that's something we're excited about as well. Yeah, I think it's it's really, really cool. And I think I think there would be a lot of interest in it. I could see people being interested even just, you know, taking those courses, even if they weren't, you know, actually, you know, enrolled students, but maybe just taking the courses. I just think about a lot of the people I know in my community. And I think it would be, you know, I think people are enjoying to come back to natural history and sort of, you know, yeah. <laughs> And this, you know, as we've all been in the pandemic, I, there was like renewed interest in the natural world because that's all we could go to for entertainment in recent year, the recent year. And the one thing I have to add with the biological illustration class, we we did the honors biological illustration, and I was really pleasantly surprised that majority of the students who took that class were not art majors. Yeah. Uh, and it was so a, like I said, a pleasant surprise to see what they were rendering, and they were. I had an accounting major, I had uh, bio, science majors, I had you know marketing majors, and they were just producing beautiful work. And they're on the. This, we have a display case on the uh, ground floor of the science department, so I display all their artwork, and it create. I'm glad that created sort of an excitement in the biology department. Mm -hmm. I think that's how Ray to discover us, and how. Uh, uh, the, tick, the research people discover us, and so like it was, it's just great to get that response from the non-art teachers, mm -hmm. you know, saying that this is very exciting, and I was very really happy to see just the results from the students. Mm -hmm. That was, and it's so sad because we tell them that how can you even major in illustration? You would have done well. I said nobody told me I can make a living as an artist. <laughs> so, you know, it's that kind of thing where I, that's my job when I get these open house and parents come to. My daughter's son wants to major in art, and we have no idea how they can make a living, and we're worried. And so it's my job to hopefully open their eyes that this is how I've been doing it for the past many years, and you know, and it's it's a wonderful profession, but it is uh, hard. It's not meant to be easy. Uh, yeah. You have to be really serious, but then again, love what you do, and I think that one we we use a lot. I'm sure in biology is the same word. If you're passionate about it, you can do fine. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, like, I just feel that, like, uh, that's where we're trying to get students to, to at least try it. Mm -hmm. If they like it, maybe they'll pursue it. So, mm -hmm. like, uh, I always encourage the students that I felt that were really good at art, even though they were not art majors, that please keep doing this after you graduate. Yeah. You just need to know. Something, mm -hmm. Someone will see it, and they're going to say, hey, will you do something for me? And it might change a whole direction for you. Yeah. Is so, that hope? Absolutely. Actually, what you said just strikes me. There's, there's kind of a joke within entomology that, you know, what is an entomologist? A biologist with a job, because so much of entomology is like solving problems that, you know, so in an entomology, you know, we say, but that strikes me that maybe you could say the same in art, that, you know, what is an illustrator, an artist with a job? <laughs> you know? so, focusing, because illustration is the business, where fine art is different. That's why I do try to explain to students that there is a difference. And so, but if anything, one, you can make a living and have a great time and have a great lifestyle. You know, you have to struggle a little bit. And, but then again, if you're making art that you love, that's all that matters. But then again, if you want to be able to have one job that pays for everything, go into commercial art or apply art. Mm -hmm. And it gets where the industry is. And there's a lot, there is need for that. There's no doubt about it. I mean, really, I see so much stuff going on. There's always exciting. I mean, when you look at movies with all the special effects of all these creatures and fantasy stuff, I guarantee you, those artists who created the dragons, the creatures, the cyclops, they studied biology mm -hmm. because they made it so believable. You yeah. know, because when I see a dragon in Lord of the Rings, I said, that artist who created that dragon studies snakes, bat yeah. wings, claws of an eagle. You just know the artist just didn't come up with something. He actually 
looked at the eagle, mm-hmm. looked at the snake scales, look at the bat wings, look at dinosaurs, look mm-hmm. at the scale. I mean, they, they, we have to as artists because we're looking for inspiration mm-hmm. and we have to recreate another dragon. I mean, there's a lot of dragon out there, but, but we depend upon biology a lot when it comes to all the sci-fi stuff we look at. It's all because of scientists. You know, and again, the, the, the imagination that, oh, maybe I can do this. Mm-hmm. Now I see that. I mean, maybe I could create the alien creature from that movie, and yeah. I use insects and all this other stuff that biology has created or, or the natural science has given me, and I can now recombine and create my own creature yeah. based on biology. It, so, we, actually, at an entomology meeting I went to in Vancouver a few years ago, not recently, and I'm not going to think of his name right now, but the like the artist for, for example, for several movies that including Avatar. So he gave a, a keynote presentation at an entomology meeting because he talked about all of the entomological influences he used to create, you know, some of the creatures or even just the structures, you know, he would use kind of like the carapace, you know, or he would use like the exoskeleton of a certain insect to kind of create some kind of structure that was within one of the villages or something. So, um, yeah, his whole talk was about how he's used entomology as inspiration for his like design, you know, for movies and structures and creatures and, you know, so. It's so funny. I was uh, early on. I went to the Peabody Museum uh, collection, back room collection. And I met the entomologist. I forget his name. And, we're, and he had these great paintings of these spiders. And we were talking about the movie Alien. Mm-hmm. And they were so excited that yeah, that's what they did. You know, they took the, the you know the, the insect that plants and larva inside another insect body, and it bursts out by eating its weight inside out. That was the movie Alien. But then there's a wasp that that there's the tarantula wasp, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll attack the tarantula, it won't kill it, but he, the female will lay the eggs inside a live tarantula and then fly away. The tarantula walks away, so oh, nothing happened. The next thing you know, <laughs> there's something eating inside you. Inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, that, that, when I saw that movie, I said, holy cow, I know exactly where he got that idea from. <laughs> because I used to collect tarantulas back in the days when I was into biology, and they talked about this tarantula wasp. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's interesting. And so, any all that is so fascinating when I see a sci-fi movie. Is that I know where they got that idea from in the real real world of nature. So mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of thing that I I love about you know what artists do and they borrow from. It. And it's about collaboration. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. It's always collaboration. And you're right about Avatar because I heard James Cameron after high about a botanist. And to name these plants on the Avatar um, planet they were on, I forget what it's called, but then it never left. He actually had scientific name for all those plants. Mm-hmm. So, they, so it's so believable that like, God, I mean, plus I, I remember James Cameron said he was a biology geek mm-hmm. also when he was a kid. So, mm-hmm. you know, it made sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. yeah, no, so that. Anyway, we again, once again, we're like fortunate to, you know, have had this collaboration, hopefully more collaborations. And again, to like, I don't know, just work at a place where we happen, you know, where paths were crossed, you know, and we were able to meet each other. And if we were at like a huge place, that might not have happened. But once again, just another another reason to endorse our, our place <laughs> in Connecticut and our, our university. But, I look forward to more collaboration with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So today we have joining us Devin Moran, a student, co-host of this podcast, one of three we have this semester and continuing on into the future. So Devin, uh, we want to find out a little bit more about you. And so... Um, our listeners will tune in specifically for you on the days you're on the podcast. Well, that sounds good. So uh, I'm Devin. Uh, I'm a sophomore here at WestCon. Uh, I'm doing uh, legal studies. Um, originally, I came here doing theater, and I had a lot of fun there. But, you know, I was like, I always saw theater more as like a hobby for me and mm-hmm. uh, not so much as a career choice. So I said, you know, I'd, I want to get like the college experience and, uh, you know, go in a classroom for the first time since like before COVID in yeah. high school. And it was pretty wild, like coming back and being in a classroom with people. It was like, whoa, you know, just a semester, right? Yeah. 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 
So it's, uh, are you in the Justice and Law Administration program? Uh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And what do you think you want to? What are you thinking right now that you might want to do with them? Well, right now I'm doing legal studies, so I guess you know, lawyer. Is that the law track? The yeah. lawyer track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Yeah. And having a theater background gives you an advantage as a lawyer too, right? <laughs> yeah, in many different ways. I think you know, being doing theater for so many years has helped, like with memorization, which is. Mm vital with this kind of stuff especially with like introductory courses it's all you know definitions and memorizing words and all this and it definitely helped and then you know being an actor certainly helps when being a lawyer yeah <laughs> i think yeah and you can break out in song during a oh yeah of course yeah 100 percent. yeah 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 <laughs> what was your favorite role that you've done so far well there's been a lot of favorites uh, I would have to say in fall of 2019, I the my high school did "You Can't Take It With You" the play, mm-hmm. and uh, I played uh, Kolenkov, who was a Russian ballerina guy. It was very fun to play. You know, he's very like outgoing, and you mm-hmm. know, I had to do Russian accent, which I'm very good at accents and. <laughs> You know, so that was a lot of fun to play. Good. Later on down the road, we can have you do a whole podcast in an accent. Yeah. <laughs> we'll like see. A pirate day or. I was going to say, you never should have admitted to that. Now you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. The, uh, uh, have you listened or what made you want to be on this podcast or join this podcast? Yeah. So I, I'd always wanted to do a podcast, uh, my high school didn't really have one. They had the equipment, but I couldn't really get anyone to do it with. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to do one. And I was like looking around like WestCon, like the website, and I saw that there was a position available like all the way in the beginning of the summer. I was like, oh, okay. And so I contacted you and then, you know, all that. And now there's so many other people doing it. I was like, wow, I didn't even know. You know, it's pretty yeah. wild. We were surprised too. <laughs> I mean, we, you like you said, you and I talked – I don't know, nine months ago or something, and then yeah. we ignored you for several months and then <laughs> called you up again. And have you had a chance to listen to the podcast since then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listened to it pretty much right after we talked, and I was like, yeah, okay, so it's like, you know, they talk about what's going on at WestCon, and now there's, you know, other co-hosts, and now it, you know, it's going to expand a lot, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And uh, so that always leads us to the question, who do you think does a better job, Pete or me? uh well careful (laughs) (laughs) i i think i you know you both got a good voice for podcasts which i think is super important Uh good (laughs) that made pete giggle the uh uh and have you been this semester, this year is a lot different than last year, right? You were yeah. probably studying at, uh, virtually in every class and hard to get to know other students, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so have you been able to engage more this semester so far? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think, you know, I'm a commuter student, so mm-hmm. uh, probably not as much as I think I should be. But I think I've definitely, I mean, definitely more than last year. Yeah. I mean, you know, last year I had some in-person classes. And, you know, when you're doing theater, you're together with a lot of people. That's true. But it's, you know, I, I think definitely this year it's been a lot better than last year. Yeah, and we'll start opening up and having more events on campus too. Right, yeah. And where do you live? I live in Wilton, Connecticut. Yeah, so that's, you're doing the reverse commute then, right? Yeah. Most of the time? Yeah. That's yeah. good. How did you choose WestCon? Uh, well, I was looking at theater, and I i mean, WestCon has one of the best, if not the best, theater mm-hmm. departments in the state, and so that definitely, like, drew me close to it, and, you know, I just think it was the better choice, because it's close, but, mm-hmm. you know, eventually I, I'd like to transfer somewhere, but who knows, you know, no, at this no, point. Once you start, you can't transfer. You can <laughs> go for your master's somewhere, if you want, or your law degree. <laughs> Well, the um, so I'm getting the sense that uh, the whole theater department did it, you know, give you the creeps a little bit being around all those uh, thespians and musicians <laughs> and all that. Or? I, I, no, I mean, I, I think what it was was like 
I had done theater for so long, and it was like, I don't know, for me personally, I, I felt like I was getting kind of like bored of it. Like, mm. not that my teachers were bad, you know, the department was excellent, and all the teachers were super knowledgeable and, you know, had done Broadway shows and TV yeah. and movies and all that. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty cool to work with those people. But I think it was more so like me rather. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, I I want to get like the real college experience, you know, being yeah. in a classroom, yep. working with people, you know. I, I So that's why I switched. But yeah. yeah, a typical breakup. It's not you, it's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you're interested. You, one of the things you're going to bring to this podcast is uh, your interest in pro sports, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I watch a lot of sports. And I thought, you know, maybe it would be kind of fun to give people updates and you know, keep people in the loop with sports and things going on within sports. Yeah. Predictions. Yeah, exactly. We just had, uh, we're in the baseball playoffs now. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, did you watch those games? Yep. I'm a Yankees fan and yeah, I'm boy. still not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's not a Yankees fan, apparently. No, yeah. sir. <laughs> You're not a Red Sox fan, are you? Yes, I am. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All those old feelings are coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be okay. The Rays will knock out the Red Sox yeah, in the next yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. Probably true. <laughs> <laughs> We've your... already won our championship for this season, though, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the uh, your prediction for the big Giants-Dodgers baseball playoff? You know... I... The Dodgers are looking good. I think, you know, last night they beat the Cardinals, who were kind of my second team, mm. because they kind of came back in the end of the season. I was, was like, oh, okay. Exciting, yeah. and, but uh, no, they, Dodgers won on a walk-off home run from one of their more, like, underrated players. Uh, Tyler. Tyler, yes. Thank you. Yeah, he was but, a bench player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. I think uh, – but I mean, you know, the Do- the Dodgers, the um, the Padres have a lot of good players too. You know, they got Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. and I I I don't know. I could see the Dodgers winning. Uh, they aren't playing the Padres though. They're not. They're playing the Giants. I mean the the Giants. I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't we'll know. Keep I've you been lying here. Yeah, I've been. I yeah, I've been kind of like yeah. The I've Padres been, were great, mm-hmm. and then they completely imploded, right? Yeah, yeah. Even with those great players like Tatis, right? They just uh, crashed and burned. They're just a, a smoking hulk of a baseball team right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why I went to the Padres on that one. That was kind of strange. Uh, anyways, I, I think. I don't know. I mean, the Giants are looking very good this year. I, I best I guess, record in baseball. Yeah. So I, I could, I could see it. Although I, I think you know, in these kind of situations, you know, like the best team in baseball versus like you know a good team, obviously the Dodgers. But I think I would like to see the Dodgers win because they're kind of the underdog in the situation mm-hmm. a little bit. But uh, I could definitely see the Giants, you know, blowing them out if they, you mm-hmm. know. It's funny in sports how the Dodgers, who won, who are the reigning World Series champs and won 106 games, uh, are the underdog. Yeah, just because the Giants won one were one more game than they did. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So it could be a good series. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For Any sure. American League uh, predictions? Um, the White Sox are playing uh, Houston. You know. Uh, I I think I think the White Sox can pull it off. I think they'll pull it off. I, as long as uh, Houston doesn't cheat, but I think <laughs> <laughs> still not over it. Up again, still yeah. not over it. <laughs> oh yeah, they did beat the Yankees. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I I think I could definitely see the the White Sox. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, the uh, Astros have a lot of big-name players, just like the Dodgers do. The yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, White Sox are more up-and-coming with a good pitching staff, so mm. we'll see yeah. how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another, t- and the Rays and the uh, and the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to... Uh, well, I mean, I'll be honest. Even unbiased, I think the Rays are going to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I <laughs> 
I don't. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, they were in the wet, what, World Series last yeah. year too. Even even if the Yankees beat the Red Sox, I still think they would have lost because I mean the Yankees, you know, this year they really they're a flawed team. Yeah, very flawed. I think you know the our bullpen is just pretty much garbage. Even Garrett Cole, who's supposed to be this great player, you know, three hundred and twenty-four million dollars they're paying him, and he can, you know, he. Oh, he can barely hold the Red Sox away in an, mm-hmm. uh, in a wild card game. You know, he got pulled out in the third inning, I think. That's because he stopped using the super tacky stuff on right. his fingers. Right? right, right. All of a sudden, he's ordinary. <laughs> and the other big, uh, you know, sports uh, thing going on is the Connecticut Sun got bounced out of the playoffs by the Chicago Sky last night. Really? You didn't watch that, too? No, I did not watch that. You didn't flip back and forth between baseball and women's basketball? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> well, that's what happened. But, yeah. The Sky was the top-ranked team for the playoffs, and they really? got beat by, not the Sky, the Sun was the top-ranked team, and the Sky, the sixth-ranked team, beat them. Mm. And they just walked all over them. They looked like, the Sun looked like they weren't even in the same league. Right, right, yeah. Even though they have the MVP of the year, of the season, and all that. Yeah, I get. I I remember uh, in the finals when the Sun played the Mystics mm-hmm. a few years ago. I mean, they always looked so good, and I I always see like you know the Connecticut Sun being like the good team up at the top of mm-hmm. the order. You know, it's, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that's definitely surprising. Um, but I even like I don't know. I always like like the underdog story, like yeah. where the worst team beats like the best team kind mm-hmm. of thing. I always like that. So. Hmm. So you think the Jets and the Giants, then the, those two worst teams, will go on to win uh, the? Well, <laughs> as a Giants <laughs> fan, yeah. uh, I, I think it's—I don't know. I mean, I—they—they've had like no luck. They've been terrible, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they won the one game, like you know, big deal, and <laughs> in the last second, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was right at the last, in overtime too. And it was like I think it was even two overtimes if I'm correct. And it was like you know I, they have no offensive line. Daniel mm-hmm. Jones is you know he sucks. Um, <laughs> first round draft pick. Yeah, you know I even still I I he definitely doesn't play like a first round draft pick. You know I think and I you know I mean Barkley really saved them in that last second last game. So it's like you know mm-hmm. uh, I. I don't think either the Jets or the Giants will get very far this year. No, the Jets won because the other team uh, missed their field goal in the last second. Yeah, exactly. Last it's week. like, you know. And and then the Giants, when they were playing Washington, you know, they they lost because so what happened was so the Washington kicker kicked the field goal and missed it, but the Giants were off sides. Mm. And they had to redo the field goal, and they kicked it, and then Washington won. And it's like that's not good. No, <laughs> and it's like you know, I, I, like what a way to lose. You know, yes, that's not the right way to. Play no, the game. not at all. You know, our dean of students here was a Division One kicker for Pitt when he was in college. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's I very know. cool. It's the coolest thing about him. <laughs> you allowed to Dr. say that Walter one Kramer. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Devin. Go ahead. <laughs> the um uh so when you prepare for your uh, p- next podcast, you'll have to watch every game and every sport that happens that week and then give your analysis of it, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> I I think highlights are going to come very handy, but uh you know, I I definitely will watch a lot of them, you know, as much as I can, you know. But. Yeah. Something weird's going on in the women's professional soccer league, right? This week, this yeah, this week. I forget what it was, but uh and I didn't I only read the headline, but uh can you bring us up to speed on that? Uh well, for women's soccer, uh I don't watch a lot of that. Hmm. But, uh, you know, now I think... Uh, next week you can tell us what's going on. Next week I'll talk on. to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And one of our student co-hosts will be doing uh, campus sports, following all our teams that are winning. And 
well, winning or losing, but our WestCon teams win usually. And um, our other podcast host will be uh, talking about arts and theater and stuff. Maybe you two can get together and dish on the theater department yeah. on air. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, sure. Cool. All right, Devin Moran, we're looking forward to hearing more from you. Thanks for coming in today. Absolutely, 100%. I'm very excited to work with you guys. Yeah, it'll be good. All right. Yeah, so you uh, you really stuck it to him there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's my special. I know it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure, you know, we're all up to speed on yeah. what our jobs are. Gave him a homework assignment his first day in class. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see how he comes back next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says he's all ready to go. All right. <laughs> and, of course, he's joined by two other co-hosts, student co-hosts, too. So we'll have Bianca. Win. Bianca Win. Yep. I guess we should cut this and part. And Yusuf Saqib? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. See, Pete has all the paperwork. I have no paperwork. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, but I know that. That's right. Yep. All right, so big things coming up. What do we got? Uh, senior day football on the 23rd. Mm. It's the next big. That's a big deal. It's the last home football game of the season. Mm. And the uh, they're going to win that game. Yeah. Because they're, aren't they undefeated? No, no, no. <laughs> you and Jay were pretty close on your uh, estimate for the Dartmouth game, though. I don't know if that ever made it onto the show, but we, <laughs> you guys talked about it, and you, you uh, were only off by a couple points. I know, we were good with score, that, so. but we uh, kind of lost speed the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's coming up. Basketball starting soon. Uh, all the other fall sports are starting to wind down, I think. Yes. Another few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have other events on campus somewhere, too, I'm sure. So just show up. Yeah. Check the uh, wcsu.edu slash wow. Check your MyWCSU app on your phone. Look at the monitors around campus and on the shuttle buses. Check social media. Everybody's got their own social medias, all the departments and all the uh, you know organizations on campus. So. Yeah. And listen to at WCSU, of course. Listen to at WCSU. All right. For at WCSU, I'm Paul Steinmetz. He's Pete Puccio, and we'll see you next week. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.